Second Corinthians chapter eight. We are looking at verses ten through chapter nine, verse five. Second Corinthians eight ten through nine five. Let us read the word of God and pray that He teaches us, beginning at verse ten. I give my opinion in this matter, for this is to your advantage, who were the first to begin a year ago not only to do this, but also to desire to do it. But now finish doing it also, so that just as there was the readiness to desire it, so there may be also the completion of it by your ability. For if readiness is present, it is acceptable. According to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For this is not the ease of others for your affliction, but by way of equality. At this present time, your abundance being a supply for their need, so that their abundance also may become a supply for your need, that there may be equality, as it is written. He who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God, who puts the same earnestness on your behalf in the heart of Titus. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he has gone to you of his own accord. We have sent with him the brother whose fame and the things of the gospel has spread through all of the churches. And not only this, but he has also been appointed by the churches to travel with us in this gracious work, which is being administered by us for the glory of the Lord himself to show our readiness, taking precautions so that no one will discredit us in our administration of this generous gift. We have regard for what is honorable, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. We have sent with them our brother, whom we have often tested and found diligent in many things, but now even more diligent because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and my fellow worker among you. As for our brother, they are messengers of the churches of the glory of Christ. Therefore, openly before the churches, show them the proof of your love and of your reason for boasting about you. For it is superfluous for me to write to you about this ministry to the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you in Macedonians, namely that Achaia has been prepared since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I have sent the brethren in order that our boasting about you may not be made empty in this case, so that as I was saying you may be prepared. Otherwise, if the Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we do not speak of you, will be put to shame by this confidence. So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would go ahead to you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift so that the same would be ready as a bountiful gift and not affected by covetousness. Father, thank you for this letter. Thank you for the Apostle Paul. Thank you for the Corinthian church and the Macedonians as they are examples to us even this day. Father, help us. Help us to have hearts 
the hearts that are focused on the eternals. Father, hearts that are focused uh, on storing up treasure in heaven where rust and moth and thief cannot touch. Father, we know that we are stewards just passing through. And yet, Father, in our pilgrimage, I pray that each of us individually and collectively will be found faithful stewards of the amazing things that you have done for us. Thank you, my King. Thank you for your word, your precious bride, your church, and Father, for the power of your salvation in our fallen hearts. To your glory and praise. Amen. He starts this line of thinking out right there. You see, um, he's giving his opinion. I find it fascinating because he's an apostle. He's an apostle to the Gentiles. He, and, and, and this is a specific office for this time. The resurrected Christ set him aside. Okay. He has seen the resurrected Christ. So he has what you would classify a little authority behind him. Okay. If you look at this, and I want to kind of bring everything back together uh, over these years. Um, in Acts 18, we see this process that the Apostle Paul was in. He had been in the city of Corinth for about 18 months. Uh, it's a very affluent city. Uh, had a, uh, a lot of merchantiles that went through there. There's an isthmus that comes out there. And what would do, instead of going all the way around the horn of the Greek peninsula, they would take ships and they would roll them up on rollers and roll them across the isthmus and drop them back in on the other side. And this was quite lucrative for them. Uh, and, and, so, and it was what they called a free city. If a slave was set free, he could get a land and start a business right there in Corinth. Uh, and so it was very affluent. Okay. It also had a Jewish population. And Paul had an amazing ability to offend them. Okay? Uh, and it was preaching the gospel. And of course, they don't want to hear about this Jesus guy. Cursed as anyone who hangs on a tree. And as he was there for the 18 months in Corinth, the opposition was growing. So Paul left Corinth and he went to Ephesus. Okay? When he was in Ephesus, he had sent them a letter. Okay? It is not 1 Corinthians. He'd sent it by Titus. You can see that letter in 1 Corinthians 5, 9. He had sent him a letter. If you look at 1 Corinthians, the first six chapters, he deals with the problems in that church because he had already sent them a letter by the person Titus. Okay, He had corrected some problems that they were dealing with in that first letter that we don't have. Okay, but the church was having more problems. And if you go look at the letter, if you look at the first six chapters of first Corinthians, they had a pride problem. So the plan that he was working on was to put a collection of money together from the Gentile churches to send to the Jerusalem church, a Jewish church in Jerusalem. And so Titus had informed the Corinthians of this plan and they had a desire and they had responded to it. But they had some questions. If you look at chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians, he says, now regarding your questions. Okay? And that's what 1 Corinthians is. It is a response to their questions. And he answers a bunch of them in 1 Corinthians. Okay? And one of the questions that they were struggling with is giving. How do we give? And he deals with that in 1 Corinthians 16. All right. The collections for the saints. First of the week. 
Okay, that implies, because if you look at the context of 1 Corinthians, in chapter 7, he says, now in regards to your questions. Alright? How do we collect this money? Easy. Everyone gives the first day of the week. Sunday is the first day of the week. Okay, how much are they to give? And he told them, to as you are able. It's voluntary. Okay, Titus then returned... This letter, 1 Corinthians, with the answers to these questions. And how to continue giving towards this project. Alright? So he answers her questions with what we call 1 Corinthians. He does that from Ephesus. Sometime later, Paul makes a surprise visit to Corinth. And he became aware that there were some false apostles... Uh, had come into the church um, and uh, were teaching lies. And they were attacking the person, Paul, his integrity. And when he got to the church, there was a confrontation that took place. Specifically, we know, one in front of the whole congregation. And Paul makes the statement that he spoke shamefully. All right. But the church did not deal with him. The one who had confronted the Apostle Paul. Nor did the church even defend Paul. All right. To say the least, this broke Paul's heart. All right. Um, For lack of a better term, I didn't know how to phrase it. There was a mutiny rising in the church in Corinth against the Apostle Paul. They were being led by these false apostles, false teachers. He calls them false apostles. And um, it was obvious that they were not discerning to deal with it. These people wanting to teach lies would redirect to make people doubt the integrity of the Apostle Paul. If we can discredit him, then we can come. If you discredit a leader then you discredit his teaching. Okay? It's, it's just that simple. Um, I think we call it today in our society, character assassination. We see it often. And, 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 and just as today, you don't have to have any proof. Just say something. That is all you have to do. It's amazing. You know, I, I have gotten into trouble. Um, I sometimes hug people. But I never had anybody complain if I hug an old fat woman. They don't say nothing. Then nobody says, well, I don't know what he's up to. Okay? But if you go hug somebody who's young and attractive, oh, you know what he's doing. Okay? Well, no. I'm showing affection. Dude, I got kissed by Russian men on the lips. What does that mean? And then it's spooky. It's just like, whoa, dude. Okay, and there's some other things I did in Russia I'll never admit to either. Okay, but you know, what goes to Russia stays in Russia. No. Um, Okay. No hablo, but uh, 
Um, but you see this a lot and it, it hasn't changed. Because if you can discredit the teacher, then you can discredit the teaching. Okay. Um, and, and the tragedy, I think, is, is that in this case, the church in Corinth had bought into it. So Paul left uh, broken hearted and then he got back to Ephesus and he wrote a letter called the severe letter. OK, Titus had delivered this letter. OK, um, and it confronted the false teachers. Um, and, and the false apostles, it confronted this rebellion, lack of discernment. It would have confronted all of this stuff. And Paul had been waiting for his the re- reply back from Titus. Okay, when Titus came back, the report was good. We looked at that in depth in chapter 7. The relationship between the church in Corinth and the apostle Paul had been restored. Okay, so now Paul writes 2 Corinthians. Okay. And it is to to encourage them on what they did. Okay. Now, I don't know about you, but right now I'm looking at Titus saying that poor guy is wore out. It ain't like he's jumping on a jetliner in Ephesus and flying over to Corinth. I mean, at best, he's taking a boat and it's not like an outboard or an inboard. It is a sailboat. And he's sailing on one side over to the other. He's got to go into the canals up to Ephesus, find the Apostle Paul, get back in Paul. Paul says, I've got another letter. Gee, many crickets, are you kidding me? And then he goes back on the boat and he goes back over to Corinth and, you know, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Okay. This section that we're dealing with now in 2 Corinthians is dealing with this issue of this offering going to Jerusalem. Verse 10, I give my opinion in this matter, for this is for your advantage, who were the first to begin a year ago, not only to do this, but also to desire to do that. Okay, so it was a voluntary. So if you look at a a, a stewardship, if you look at giving with integrity, the first thing we looked at last week was that it's voluntary. Okay, give as your heart is led. All right. But he does make the statement. It is to your advantage. Okay. But now, if you want to see giving that is um, that has integrity, if you want to see integrity of stewardship. The second thing is, is that giving is faithful. Look at the first part of verse 11. But now finish doing it also. All right. It calls for us giving with integrity. Stewardship that has integrity calls for a faithfulness to complete the project. Okay. Um, He says, finish doing this as as there was a readiness, as there was a desire to do this. May you also see it through to completion. Okay. Finish what you start. That's integrity. You know what? Good intentions mean very little if they don't complete it. You can have the best intentions in the world. It's, it's one of the things that uh, early in my ministry, I used to buy in all the time. Everybody had great ideas for what I should do. 
And then it dawned on me, God laid it on your heart, you do it. Okay? And if it's God's action, see it through to its completion. Alright? You know what? I look at this, that is about as straightforward as you can get. It's not like you're trying to figure out, what's Paul trying to get across here? Alright? But now finish doing it. (laughs) That's... Pretty straightforward. You started this thing a year ago. Finish it. Okay. Um, They were the first ones willing. They were the first ones with this desire. They should not be the last ones to perform. Right? In Luke's gospel, chapter 9, verse 62, speaking of salvation, he says, no one puts the hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. Finish what you started. Okay, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, he says, everyone give every first day of the week and save it up so you have it to give every Sunday. That's what he says. And don't look back. And you know what? I I see this a lot. You don't want to come in a panic. Paul's going to be here. He's coming for the offering for the Jerusalem saints. And we don't have anything. Quick. Sell the goats. You know, what are you going to do? No, do it weekly. Put it aside. I'm going to ask you guys in January to start putting aside money for the summer camps. Okay, and we're going to put a designated account in the church budget that that summer camp money goes right there. And then when Valeri gets a hold of us in June and says, you know, I'm I'm planning on doing 900 kids over four camps and I need $13,000, we send him a check. Okay, but we can't walk up in June and say, you know, Valeri needs (laughs) $13,000 tomorrow. But if we start putting it away now, then it all comes back together. We don't have to have a a panic collection. It's a systematic giving regularly and it's completed. Okay? Now then, he has to remind him of this. Now I've read a lot of this uh, from different historical viewpoints and all the rest of it. And uh, what had happened? What happened that he has to remind them that they had the desire? Now some say that it is natural apathy. Okay, if you've been in church very long, uh, if you've been in church leadership ever, um, you start trying to do something over the course of a year. <laughs> you just need to get a spiritual cattle prod. Because, you know, I, I hear about attention deficit. I think that's the norm. I don't think that that's something special. I think we all have it. You know, we're cruising along, all jacked up for Jesus for 30 days. Okay, and then what? Well, I'm taking a break. Okay, but we do that. We see, look, this door is open for the gospel. Hope it doesn't take more than a week. Okay, but that's what we do. We all have that tendency, don't we? It, it, It deals... 
with an, an, an attention span, we can lose interest. Um, here in Castle Rock, we're in a very transitorial area. You have people who will come in and their job will have them here for a year or so. And all of a sudden they're gone. Uh, here in Castle Rock, we're like the New Jerusalem. I think there's 56 churches evangelical churches you can go to a different church every year you can always get on fire for jesus and then go somewhere else where the lights down low and the music up loud okay and you have yourself a blast uh, okay uh, it, let's be realistic one of the things that you know I, i've traveled internationally and watched the church internationally versus the church here and we distract easily Okay, and I, and it don't take nothing. I mean, we like to think that it takes a major thing to sway me. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. You know, I <laughs> I've been around long enough time that I know it doesn't. Okay, I know how easy I distract. Okay, and I'm thinking that I'm not alone in this. Um, there could be other issues. You know what? Or it could have been like the church in Ephesus. They lost their first love. Come back to your first love. See, it is hard sometimes for us to say, well, we're given to the Russians, or we're given to the Burmese, or we're given to the Indians, uh, or we're given to the Jews. We're doing these things, and it becomes this abstract, nebulous thing that I can't really put my hands on because I haven't seen it. The key is, I have. And I don't want to... I offered anybody can go with me anytime. All right, I, I've told you guys that over and over. Yeah, you want to go? Yeah, just understand when you go to Russia, you cannot read the signs. I don't care what the sign is, and I, I mean, and it's got it's got letters up there. You go, well, I wonder what that is. Okay, because I you look at Moscow, it looks like Makaba. You're like, oh, I'm going to Makaba. Okay, you know. All right, now you, you go to Israel. They got them in Aramaic, Hebrew, and English. <laughs> and everybody there speaks American. I love it. It's no problem at all. I know where I'm going. Tel Aviv. That's what it looks like in Arabic. <laughs> Somewhat. They call it tagging if you're in the city, but. <laughs> okay. Maybe they lost their first love. Or maybe they did like Habakkuk. They were worried more about the paneling in their house than the starving saints in Jerusalem. And, and, and you know, and I've seen it. Um, I, re- I remember one time years and years ago, I wasn't, I don't even think I was in leadership in this church. I was in this church, but I wasn't in leadership. They took a rock and they glued it to a board. And somebody had a Bible verse, I don't remember what it was, but they glued it to the board because they were going to buy a piece of property and build a mega church. Uh, I threw the rock away when I became pastor. I don't know what happened to the money. <laughs> uh, like I said, I wasn't involved, but they had a lot, rock glued to a board and there was something biblical about it and uh, whatever. But I remember pastors who keep whipping it up. Okay, I have to keep reminding you. I have to keep reminding you. And you know what? I don't believe that that's necessary if we're doing it by the heart. Okay. Um, Do some forget? Sure. Sure. Um, I I think there's some truth to that. 
Uh, apathy can set in. I believe that that can play a role. You lose your first love. I believe that can play a role. But most likely, if I was a gambling man, I believe it was the influence of the false pastors, false apostles, the false teachers. The accusations on the Apostle Paul, one of the lies that you see implied was that um, he was doing this gospel thing for the money. Okay? In 2 Corinthians 4.2, he says, We do not walk in craftiness, adulterating the word of God. So it's implied in that text that some said he was walking in shady dealings and he was selling the word of God. So if he's doing that, you can't really trust him with money then, can you? In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17, we are not like many peddling the word of God. This was an implying that somebody's saying he's a crook. The word pedal there in the original language means shell games. You ever seen shell games? Where you, you bet they put the set of cups up there, put a shell in it. And can you guess which one that's under that cup? And if you guess wrong, they take your money. But they'll let you try again. Okay. And he says there's people who will pedal the word, who are making a shell game out of the word. They are making money. They were assaulting Paul's integrity. Okay. And I think some of it were in regards to his finances. Was he selling the gospel? Is he giving? Did he come out of the law as a Pharisee and he's now selling grace for a profit? Now, listen. If these accusations are, are implied, this, I mean, he doesn't say this, but the defense that he brings forth on his integrity would imply this. That would put a cooling on giving to a project that the Apostle Paul was behind. Wouldn't it? Especially if it was his pet project. All right. Perhaps Paul is taking handling fees. Delivery costs. Titus had gone there. And he had told them the truth about Paul. Chapter 7, that relationship had been restored. Confidence was back in the Corinthian church for the Apostle Paul. Now it's time to finish this project. All right? Finish this collection. You do it by giving regularly. Every Sunday, every single week, put aside. For the collection. There's the plan. The confidence is back. So when I come, it will be there. Alright? Now, you know what's amazing about this? There's no dollar figure. He doesn't say a tenth. Or this, that, or the other. We've already looked at this in depth. Giving is a heart issue. What you give to what God is doing is solely between you and God. God's heart and your heart. All right. How much were they willing to give? There's no set amount. 
Okay. But he said each individual. The Lord will bring the total. You ever notice that? I've noticed that multiple times. This text, I can tell you this. If you go back to the chapter 8, you look at verse 20. It was going to be a generous gift. An abundant gift. Okay, you see it down there in 9-2. That it was going to be a large gift. Okay, so I can tell you this. That the Apostle Paul was expecting a large sum. If you think about it, if they were giving and everyone was giving as they could every Sunday for a year, you would expect there to be uh, a, a decent sum of money. So Paul's expectations were that of a large amount of money. Okay, And if you think about it, it would have been necessary. The Macedonians had given. They had given sacrificially. He's already showed us that. He's expecting more money from the Corinthians. Okay, the Macedonians would have made up of the Church of Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. Okay, then you've got the group that is down in um, Corinth, and he would have also picked up some stuff out of Asia Minor. Well, why? Well, the first mega church on the planet Earth was dirt poor. I mean, in one week, you moved 10,000 members. Okay, now it says 10,000 men. Do you suppose they were all single? Okay, the other thing is, they couldn't go to the first Baptist church of Mesopotamia. There was only one church. Jerusalem. So, nobody's going to leave. So, you got to... 10,000 member megachurch that's unemployed. And that's why you see the people selling all their properties to help offset this huge amount of growth. These hurting people in Jerusalem. And you know what? The truest sense, it was the Lord they were giving to. Okay? The church is called the body of Christ. It is the manifestation of Jesus Christ to this place right now. So when you give to church, you are giving to Christ. Please, I know the charlatans. Okay? They're everywhere. Okay? But it's easy to spot them because how do they handle the book? I mean, if the guy's telling me I'm going to grow the church by turning the lights down low and the music up loud, but where's the book? I don't have to give to that. Okay? And, and so, one of the things that you see, when you find a faithful place, then you stay faithful to the project until it's complete. I would say, most likely, the divisiveness of the false teachers... Is the problem that they had to kind of restart the giving to the churches in Jerusalem. There was a readiness in the hearts of the Corinthians. There was a desire in their souls to do this. But that desire and that readiness can be tainted if you are doubting the leadership. Okay, What is nice about this and, 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 I, and I find fascinating is there's no apostolic pressure here. 
He's not saying, you know what, you guys are more wealthy than the Macedonian churches, so you should give more. You don't see that. You don't see an amount. Even at the start of this, it wasn't done by apostolic pressure or authority shaking at them. It was from their heart. Giving should be from the heart. So also, if it's from the heart, then it will be seen through to completion. Okay? Finish it. You know what? Um, I've been in uh, senior pastor for 20 years. I've been in leadership for 25. And I think one of the hardest burdens as a spiritual leader is to deal with those with a good beginning but never finish. That one, uh, I cannot tell you how many I have seen who start very strong and finish very weak. Um, and it seems to be uh, uh, more common. I, I I can't count the number of people I see with great beginnings and lousy endings. Okay, and 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 I've talked to some great men of God in my life, and they had the same thing. I mean, over and over. Um, You know, I was thinking about Doctor Olford. Five guys in his seminary all started off blazing out of the, uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit, doing amazing things. He was the only one who finished. Uh, Dr. MacArthur had three, three guys that he got graduated seminary with. And uh, two of them, <laughs> it completely confusing. I mean, absolutely mind-boggling confusing. And and had influence. They had moved stuff. I I see it a lot. Um, it's not easy to uh, to to keep through to the end. You know, I always think the 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 best disciple, the easiest disciple that there ever was, was the thief on the cross. <laughs> I mean, that guy's race was like, we're done. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, today I will be with him in paradise. Now, I don't say we sign up for crucifixion, but but I'm saying, you know, he believes this is the Messiah. We're out of here. I mean, yeah. But to see the guys with longevity, um, the pastor that I started under, uh, I know what he's doing now and I know what a mess his life is. And, and you just sit there and you go, that's what happened? It's not easy to keep it all the way through to the finish. It takes discipline, self-discipline. It takes devotion. It takes dedication. Um, uh, They will tell you that it is the perseverance of the saints. I call it commitment. Is it real? I know a lot of people know the Bible better than I'll ever know it. But they don't have a commitment to it. Continue from the start. To the finish. That's what he's telling the Corinthians. You want to see integrity of stewardship? It is faithful. It is faithful. 
You know what? We will see great blessings when we are committed to the finish. You individually have to be committed to the finish. You have to ask yourself, am I committed to the finish? I want to see it done. I mean, you know what my commitment to the finish is? To present every man complete in Christ. I got my work cut out for me. <laughs> it's, you know, it's hanging right behind my head at my desk where I study. All right. And, you, you know, I look back at it every once in a while. And I think, why in the world would I have ever thought of that? <laughs> God said, you didn't. I mean, I did. Oh, okay. We will see great blessings when we commit to the finish. We will see God move mountains when we are committed to the finish. And you know what? You get weary. Don't kid yourself. Don't think I don't get tired of it. Okay? I don't know how many times I've had my little conversation with the Lord saying, I know I will run and not grow weary. You don't have to keep proving it. I believe. Sometimes we get distracted. But you know what? You cannot drive your car down the road if you keep looking in the rearview mirror. Okay? Now, I do remember one time when I was in Elizabeth when some guy was driving down the street there in Elizabeth backwards at the speed limit, and I'm still not sure what that was. Okay, but I, I just looked out there and said, well, that's something you just don't see every day. I think I'll move to this town because that's kind of peculiar. Listen, there's no, there's, I, don't, I can't think of anything that's more crippling to systematic giving of the people than they lose confidence in their leadership. Okay, and, and I, listen, I am not stupid enough to think I'm immune. I have had people... Uh, Challenged my integrity multiple times. Okay. Uh, but I know that Dr. MacArthur had his ch- multiple times. Uh, Adrian Rodgers had his multiple times. Charles Stanley had his multiple times. Stephen Olford had his multiple times. And you know what? We're not immune. The Apostle Paul had his. Okay. Um, And you know what? When the people lose confidence in their leadership, it is difficult for them to give. I agree. And you, you can tell if there's a challenge in the leadership by the offerings. They'll change. And you know what? Sometimes, even if the leadership hasn't failed. Because all you have to do is throw out an accusation. That's why the Bible teaches you do not receive an accusation against an elder unless you have two or more witnesses. That's a reason. Why? They're above reproach. If they just perceive, it can affect the giving of the church. I agree. I've seen it. And it... I'm sure it had an effect on the church in Corinth. But chapter 7 tells me that that relationship has been restored. Now let's get back to the task at hand. Once the leadership trust is restored and they understand it wasn't Paul's fault. That's like if a, a leader falls into sin, it is non-repentant. You set them outside and you make an example of them before the church. Okay, you know one of the amazing things about that text 
I don't ever see where you restore them. Doesn't mean they stay ain't going to be in the church, but they won't be in leadership. Why? Because the damage is done to the congregation. Those who had torn up Paul, um, torn up the confidence in Paul, and it can't happen. And it is an assault on leadership. We have a habit in the church. You get a new Christian, right? We've got a brand spanking new one here. And we want to pray our brains out for that little baby, right? Come on, grow a little. Come on, get a bottle of milk and we'll get you the solid foods and we'll go and change your diaper and we'll keep moving. You're going to go, go, go. And we're going to pray hard for it. But you know who needs most prayer? Those in leadership. That's the target. I can have a little infant whiny Christian sitting there and nobody really cares. But if you roll over a leader, you can shatter a church. The whole thing blows up. We should be praying for our leadership. Okay? And we should be fervent in our prayer for our leaders. Because they got great, big, huge bullseyes on them. And you know what? They don't even have to do anything wrong and they'll get attacked. Okay? You know, I, 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 don't, I can't even tell you how many times. And you know what? If they can't find false doctrine, if they can't find sin, they'll attack you personally. And, you know, I've got friends of mine been through it too, and they say, well, you just got to remember something. You just don't take it personal. And I said, well, did you? Well, yeah. <laughs> but I'm supposed to tell you, don't take it personal. But they're attacking me. Don't take it personal. They attack Jesus. I ain't him. All right. You, and, and you can't do anything about it. When the restoration of the doubts over the leadership come back, then the giving comes back. Like I said, it doesn't have to be a true accusation. The accusations they were bringing against the Apostle Paul weren't true. But it still had an effect on them. You know, they just throw it out there. And you know what? People buy into it. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. I can't even tell you in my 20 years how many times I've watched it. I, I, and, and it always starts off with this person who's going to start strong. <laughs> and then they go get them a little uh, posse of people to get them to buy into whatever it is they think they want to try to sell. And they make sure that they all finish lousy. And you just sit there and scratch your head. And you're like, I, I don't get this. Paul says, there's no reason. Don't lose confidence in me. But we do need to finish what we started. You have to love finishers. Okay? I love those who finish strong. That has been my prayer for Castle Rock Baptist Church for years, is that all would finish strong. Some of my prayers have been answered. Some of it haven't. Integrity First and foremost is voluntary from the heart. It's between you and God. When you give, you're giving to the Lord. Okay? That's why we're set up the way we are set up. I don't know what anybody gives in this church. 
I have no idea. Okay? I, I have never seen it. I take the deposit on Sunday night, but it's in this big envelope and it says, there's how much. That's all I get. I have no ability to write a check. I have no access to the funds of this church. And that's intentional. I don't want it. I don't want no part of it. Alright? I mean, people see me going to the bank. What's that? It's the church deposit. What are you doing with it? (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Driving around, seeing if I can catch you watching me. No. (laughs) But but it's. I don't want Stephanie going to the bank at 9 o'clock on a Sunday night. That's... I mean, you know, okay. You know, I just don't want her to do it. She fills it out. Here you go. Now, every once in a while, she gives me a monthly report. She says, you better look at that Basque page. And you're like, oh, no, bummer, huh? <laughs> so you, you go look at it, and you're like, Stephanie, be quiet. You know I can't read these. <laughs> Listen, let me tell you something about giving to Christ. First of all, it's voluntary. Second of all, it is faithful. Here's what you want you have to remember about it. If the church leadership gets up and says, this is what we're doing and why, then you believe that it is the purpose of God. It is God's will. If he showed you that in the beginning, it is still the will of God at the end. Okay, it does, God doesn't start off and says, this is a good idea, but we ain't going to finish. He doesn't do that. So it's up to you and I, if you want to see integrity and stewardship, your integrity and your stewardship and your giving. First of all, it's your heart between you and God. Second of all, be faithful. Show the commitment that God laid it on your heart to finish the task that God laid on your heart. I mean, it's just really that simple. He tells the Corinthians, but now finish doing it. I like Paul. He always beats around the bush. You have to figure out what it is he's trying to say. Finish. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, for your spirit, for your precious bride, your church. And Lord, I pray that uh, even as I look at this and I think of the awesome power of a repentant church and the restoration of the relationship between the Corinthian believers and the Apostle Paul, and yet, Father, you... uh, You just amazed me that you restored that relationship and the process picked up right where the damage was done and they moved on to assisting the starving saints in Jerusalem. What an awesome God. Thank you, Father. For the encouragement of the Corinthian brothers and sisters. Father, the overwhelming hearts of the Macedonian believers. And Father, the commitment that the Apostle Paul shared with all that he touched in his ministry. Father, even we today are fruit of his labor. Thank you, Lord. You are amazing. In Christ's name, amen.